So we're in a series called uh, Indicator. It's a mini-series, just two weeks. We're going to wrap it up. If you missed last week, please, please go watch that because um, it really expressed my heart as a pastor when it comes to finances and to money. And we're doing a, a mini-series on money. And what, really what the reason is because um, it's, it's the best indicator. How we manage money is the greatest indicator for where our heart is, where our treasure is. And we talk about how the Bible talks about this. In fact, in the Bible, there are 500, there are more than 500 verses on prayer. There are almost 500 verses on faith, but there's over 2,000 verses when it comes to money and possessions. And the reason is because God understands that where our, our, where we, how we manage money, where we put our, our value, money is going to indicate where that is. And, and he wanted us to, to be healthy in this area. And so last week was great. Um, some people took, t- took the challenge that we kind of said, hey, this is, these are some steps you should start taking. And I've already got, began to get messages and, and phone calls about what God has already done, uh, how, how God responded when somebody stepped out and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to test God on this. And so last week was all about a test. In fact, Jesus, as a Christian church, as a church that follows Christ, Christ's followers, uh, we look at his teachings. And Jesus, over 30% of his teachings uh, were on money and, and managing possessions, stuff like that. And so it's, a, it's an important topic that we need to cover. Uh, we don't cover this every week. And so last week, if you hear it, you, you'll, you'll hear my heart behind it, why it's so important. But we're going to move on this week. How you handle money shows where your heart is, and it shows what's most important to you. It's the greatest indicator of our priorities, loyalties, and our affections, where we put our affections, where they're at. So it's an indicator how we, how we handle it. So last week was live by principle, not pressure. That was the big idea that we were kind of sharing is, is learn to live by principle, not pressure. Because when you live by principle, a lot of your decisions are already made because you've made up in your mind, I'm going to live this way, not that way. So when something comes up, it's easy to say, no, I'm not going to go that way because I've chose this path instead. And it's easy to say no to something like debt, no to some, a purchase that you really know you can't afford. So learning principles. And the whole point of tithing, last week we talked about tithing, that was the first principle we talked about, is tithing, is, is the, the whole point is to give God his, por- his part first. And we said it's really not giving, it's returning to God, because he says when you, when you put me first, you're putting him to a test, and, and the reason is because it requires faith to give the first part. Um, we talked about how, how a tithe just me, it means ten, a tenth, and throughout the Bible, the, the, the number ten represents testing, and throughout scriptures, whenever there's a tenth, this idea of there's a testing there in it, and so we start off with the test. It's a primary way we acknowledge God uh, first when we, when we put him first, and so that was last week. Part one was about the tithe and, and about principle, not pressure. I thought I, did, I thought I did a pretty good job last week, um, and so today we're going to talk about the next part of this. Uh, part two is practice uh, leads to peace. What I mean by that is once you have a principle, if you will begin to implement that principle and you begin to do it faithfully, uh, it will lead to peace in your life because you begin to live out principles and you begin to practice them. Because it's one thing to know something, it's a whole different thing to actually begin to do it. Uh, so, so like I said last week, we had a couple people say, you know what, I'm going to try this. And they, they said, God, I think you're asking me to do this. And they did it. And God responded in a, in a fantastic way. Uh, so learn to live by principles. The reason we're talking about this and why it's so important, especially as Americans, is because uh, we have this financial weight and pressure on us um, all the time. Uh, it's called debt. Uh, majority of Americans have a pressure of debt on their life. And, and some, some of us in this room are even up to our eyeballs in debt where, where it feels like it's, it's strangling us and suffocating us. And we want to talk a little about why it's so important to learn to manage because God doesn't want us to live that way. He never wants us to live that way. And so here's some of the principles. He says, if you practice these, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. You'll have, you'll have room to breathe. You'll have room to enjoy the things around you rather than having this pressure on you all the time. In fact, the Old Testament prophet, we, we quoted him last week. 
he's talking to the people of Judah, and he says, um, he says this, this, this part where he's warning them, and God is speaking to his prophet. He's saying, give careful thought. This is Haggai 1, 5 through 6. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is the reality that the people of Israel were living in because they weren't putting God first. In fact, if you read that whole chapter, the whole context, you'll see that they were so concerned about building these big houses and getting all these nice things for them that they were ne- neglecting God. And in fact, because they'd gone through this time of testing, this time of, of correction, their temple was in ruins. And they were so concerned with their things that God was saying, guys, you're, you're missing out on, on, on the journey that I want to have with you. And because they didn't put God first, this was the results. They would put money in their purse that had holes in it that would fall out. Well, in our culture, we have a lot of people that live this way. They just they don't have enough paycheck for the whole month. And, 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 but when they get the paycheck, it's already spent. And can I tell you, God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants to bless you. He wants you to, to live beyond that. And the reason I think it's so important to do a, 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 a mini-series on this is because I want our church to be, to be the leaders when it comes to showing others how to manage things. Uh, and the principles we teach, they apply to money, but they also apply to marriage. They apply to raising your kids. They apply to business. Um, so learn the principles because they will be transferable to different areas of your life if you will learn them. Today we're going to talk through a different, some more of that. But here's the tension. If you don't learn this, you potentially could um, have pressure and strain your whole life. You can get stuck in a cycle that never you can never get out of because what you try to do is it makes it worse. A lot of times, you know, we, we try to borrow to get out of debt. Well, you can't. You can't ever dig yourself out of a hole. So you have to learn principles that are going to get you out of that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because uh, God wants to bless. But here's the challenge. When he blesses, a lot of times, prosperity actually will lead to greed. Um, prosperity leads to greed. Because money can be one of, it can be one of the, the greatest sources of our pain, of worry, anxiety in our lives. It's, not, it's no wonder that God is saying, figure this out and you'll, other areas of your life will be blessed. Because it will take off pressure and attention off of that. So God is trying to teach us how to manage it um, so we can have, have more and not less. We can be blessed. But a lot of times, prosperity, when God blesses, it does lead to greed. Um, and, and in fact, Timothy, Paul is talking to, to Timothy. He's a pastor, a young pastor. He's, Paul is trying to teach him and lead him how to, how to lead the church. And he says, Timothy, here's, here's the things. And, and last week I quoted a verse, and I said, this is the most misquoted verse in the Bible. And guess who misquoted it last week? Yeah, I did. So we're going to read it correctly this time, and I'll tell you how I misquoted it. Typically, people misquote it this way. They say, money is the root of all evil. You've heard that, right? That's a misquote. Um, and I'm going to, I'll show you where I missed it also last week. But here we go. First Timothy 6, 6 through 10 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So Paul, he's, he's trying to teach Timothy about handling finances. And he's saying when it comes to wealth, he says that if you learn to do it God's way and you're content with what he gives you, that's going to lead to a lot of great things. So learn to be content. For we, bought no, we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. So he's saying learn to be content about the things you do have and not always, not always focus on the wrong things, but learn to be content. And he goes on to say this. Those who want to get rich, they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So they get focused on the wrong thing and actually leads them to ruin and destruction. We see this happening around us. A lot of times with our finances and, and relationships. When you get focused on the wrong thing, it leads to negative consequences. And he goes on to say this, for the love of money, all right, so I got that part right, the love of money is, 
And this is where I misquoted it. It's not the root of all evil, but it's a root of all kinds of evil. So love of money, it's not like that is the worst thing in the world, but it's, it's the root of all kinds of evil, which means there are other kinds of evil out there that have nothing to do with money. It's just one of those that has a lot of things attached to it that are negative, that are destructive. So it's not money. Money is not a bad thing. That's a neutral thing. It's the love. It's greed that will drive people to do things that aren't healthy and aren't wise and aren't good that begin to cause other evil things. So the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He says, some people eager to have money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Like they brought it on themselves because they got focused on the wrong thing and doing it the wrong way. Remember, money is, how we manage money is, is the best indicator of our heart, of where we are. It shows it. And God knows this. That's why he says, hey, I'm going I'm to teach you some principles that if you practice them, you will be blessed. And you're going to see throughout all of the things you do, my hand will be upon your life. And he wants us to be that way. A pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, he says it like this. He's Chris Hodges. He says, we go from freedom to prosperity and then from prosperity to greed. And then we go from greed to bondage. So the people of Israel, they were slaves to the people of Egypt and God freed them. And they went from, from slavery into a place where they had a lot of prosperity and blessings. But that prosperity led them to a place where they wanted more and they got focused on the wrong thing. And then eventually that they became uh, enslaved to other things to finances, to other gods, other uh, worshiping other, other cultures, other, other idols, other things that, that to put God to the shelf and to the side. And they went from being uh, free and prosperity into back into another form of bondage. And God is saying, I, I don't want you to live that way. In fact, um, when you practice these principles, you will be blessed. But the challenge is, how do you stay in that place of prosperity and, and not get to a place of greed? Well, we're going to talk through those principles. This is how you do it. This is how you stay out of this cycle that will keep going around and around and around. It keeps a lot of people stuck. God wants you to go. He wants you to get free, and he wants to bless you, but he wants you to stop there and not become greedy and definitely never be bound to anything to, to rule over you. Uh, if we look at Jesus' teachings, he always has something to say about this. We said he talked a lot about finances and managing finances. Um, well, we're going to read a portion of Scripture where his teaching is he's talking about um, how to how we should view money and, and, and when we should be careful with this. So let's look at this. In Matthew six nineteen through 24, it says, this is Jesus talking, don't store up treasure here on earth where moth and eat, moth, moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and still. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and still. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember the indicator? He's saying where you, where, how you handle money is the indicator where your heart is. Here's, here's where we find that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So don't get focused on the wrong thing. There's something bigger than earth. There's something bigger than nice cars and, and, and houses. Those aren't bad, but there's something bigger than that still. And he goes on and says this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Kind of sound, sounds like he's shifting gears, but he's not. Because it's, sing, it, it's, it's in the middle of two different parts where he's talking about finances. So pay close attention to what he's saying right here the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light at our church we say something a lot we say healthy people do healthy things what he's saying is if you want to be healthy you have to see the way healthy people see you have to see the way god sees in fact in the proverbs there's this, this portion of uh, one of the proverbs that says that that stingy people that, that hold on they actually see life through like um eyes that are par- partially closed where all they can see is the thing in front of them they don't look at anything else, so their, their, their eyes are kind of closed away from the light and into their own little possession. 
You know, I, I, I get the picture of the, uh, the Lord of the Rings guys, you know, my precious, that kind of thing, you know, so focused on the little thing that he misses the bigger picture. Well, this is what Jesus is saying. When your eyes are focused on the right things, your whole life will be full of light and goodness. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if, that light, if, that, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? But he's saying, but if you're so focused on just your own thing, you miss out on the bigger picture God wants to do. You have the wrong focus. You, you, you have darkness, and you miss out on, on good things in life. And he's saying this in the middle of how we handle money because he's saying, learn to see the way God sees. And he goes on to finish up by saying this. No one can serve two masters. For you'll hate one and you'll love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon means riches. You can put money there. But the idea is not like physical money that you hold. It's, it's rather the spirit or the heart behind money. Mammon is um, it's to be in, it, it's, it's this spirit that goes with it. Greed would probably be a good way to say it. it it's always wanting more. But, but it, it's, it's the direct competitor to God. It's one of the direct competition that God is saying, hey, you can either serve me or you can serve your riches. You can serve the spirit of riches. And just like any spirit or any other ruler, it's looking for people to serve it. It's looking for people to enslave. It's looking for people. Um, it's seeking worshipers. And here's the thing. It can, never, it can never deliver what it promises. The spirit of money or mammon, it can never deliver what it promises. A great quote by a pastor named Jimmy, Jimmy Evans, he said it like this. He said, mammon... Remember the spirit of money, of greed, uh, not money itself, but the spirit of it, promises us those things that only God can give, like security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. So the very things we are seeking, we think sometimes wealth and that will take care of it, it, it never delivers that. It's easy to look at that. A uh, great example of this, we just saw Michael Phelps. I enjoy watching this guy swim. Uh, the last World Olympics, you know, he, he had the most gold medals, highly decorated, and his world was crumbling and falling apart. Why? Because all those things that he thought all those things would, would hold up and, pr- and promise couldn't deliver on that. That's not a big enough story to fulfill our lives. And then one of the ways he got out of it, I love this, is he, he found a book by Rick Warren, a pastor in California, called Purpose Driven Life. He began to read it, and the book starts like this. It's not about you. It's a great book. If you never read it, you should read it. Purpose Driven Life. And the idea is God has something more for, for us in our life, and it's not just a selfish thing just about me. Because those, especially the spirit of money and wealth, it promises those things that only God can give. Because mammon, it tells us that if it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. But that's not true. You know, money can help, but it's not the answer to every situation. God is the answer. And he wants us to look to him, not to things like, like wealth and, and other things that we try to fill our life with. Because all of us are trying to fill our things. Because mammon wants to rule. And it wants, it wants to make you a slave. And, and it's working pretty good in our culture. Because everybody wants more and more. And well I'll just borrow. And I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing. So when it comes to finances. The Bible, the Bible says that we should, we should view finances like this. Uh, the word is steward. All right? Stewardship. We'll use this word stewardship. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. It just, a steward is a manager. And the idea the Bible says when it comes to finances and possessions. Is it doesn't belong to us. That's what a steward, a manager is somebody who is managing somebody else's stuff. So the things I have, it's really not my stuff. God has let me use it. He's let me manage it. It's his stuff. And when we get the right perspective of saying, God, this is all yours. It belongs to you. I never made this. I never created this. You've blessed me with it. 
it helps our heart see things the right way. But when as soon as we think, hey, this is mine, I mean, I worked hard for this, it's, it's all mine, you become like the little guy in Lord of the Rings. What's his name? Smeagol. <laughs> Thank you. we got some Lord of the Rings guys. You become like Smeagol, like, my precious, and you become that very person where it's all about you and all about me. And God is saying, don't be that way. Don't live this way. But rather, open-handed, saying, God, I'm here to manage your stuff. In fact, Jesus, in, in the book of Luke, he says it like this. Whoever can be trusted with little, with very little, not just little, but very little, can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If you can't handle little things, why would God give you the bigger things? But if you can handle little things, God is ready to give you more. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? What is Jesus saying? There's something beyond just making money. There's something larger. There's something bigger. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. We can get so like this, and we miss out on what God wants to do. He wants to trust us. Trust us. And so he's, he's testing our hearts. So the, the money he gives to us and he allows us to have, that's a test for us. And then the money he gives to others is a test for us also, right? Because you guys all notice when people have money around you and they don't have money, it's like, oh, I'm better than that guy. And, Whoa, I wish I had that. And why can't I have that? And then envy, jealousy can get set in, right? So even God giving other people can be a test for us. Are we content with what we have? Or are we always striving and looking for others? We said last week, the more somebody makes, the less they give away. Well, well they, had, they asked a question, when, when would you be rich? And they began to ask people, and they asked somebody that made 40000 When When would you consider yourself rich? And you know what they said? At 40000 they said, well, when I made 80000 so they thought, well, let's ask a person that makes 80000 When would you see yourself as rich? And the 80, person that made $80,000 a year said, when I made 160000 And then they asked a 160000 person that made that, and said, when would you consider yourself rich? And you know what their answer was? When I made this much money. They never realized that they were already rich. They were just focused on the wrong thing. We're rich in a lot of things that we don't realize sometimes. God is saying, can I trust you with a little and if I can, I'll give you more. And it's a test. If you can't do it now on earth, when, when, when God says his, his kingdom for, for eternity, we're going to be like all lost. Like, I really don't know how to manage stuff because I didn't do good on earth. And now he wants me to manage these things. What, what's going to happen? We'll fill out a place. He's saying, learn to do it my way. So here's some principles and practices that you need to learn if you're going to be a, a good steward of the money uh, that, that God entrusts you with. All right? So the first one we talked about last week, this is putting God first. Start with God. It always has to start with God. Learn to put him first. Learn to say, God, I trust what your word says. I want, I want, you, I want you to do in my life what you want to do in my life. Starting with God is learning to, to cultivate an attitude of contentment and maintain practices that give life. So in your life, the way you manage your time, your finances, relationships, there are things you do that don't give life. They suck the life from you. They suck the life from others. Those won't be good practices. You've got to put those to the side and learn how to maintain practices that give life, which we'll talk about now. Like one, create margin. Learn the principle of margin in your life. Margin is just creating space in your life, like on, on a piece of paper. You know, you write in the middle, but you leave margin around there so you can read it. It's your life. You have this stuff that you're managing, but create margin where you have some breathing room where you're not stressed, you're not, you're not all the pressure on you. You do this a couple of ways. Um, one, you, you get out of debt. If you have debt, you learn to begin to pay off debt and learn to, learn to, to, to stop going in that direction. And that way you can begin to save. You create margin. Uh, one, of, one of the best people you can learn from that will teach you some good principles on this is Dave Ramsey. 
In fact, our church does a small group. We've done it a couple times. It's called Financial Peace University. It's a great program when it comes to handling finances. I would encourage you, you can go online and sign up and do it yourself or get in a small group that does it together. It'll teach you some principles. I'll give you an example. We did this. And one of his first principles is, is called Baby Step. And, and it's, it's creating an emergency fund. Just an emergency fund. You, you figure out the percentage you think you need. Uh, for us, it was $1,000. So we, he said, make sure you have that as an emergency fund. Um, we never had this before. And so whenever we got a flat tire, whenever something, our car broke, we didn't have the emergency fund. It was pressure and stress on us because how are we going to afford this? How are we going to pay this? What's going to happen? And then fights would, you know, start up and whatever, you blame each other, whatever happens. Well, when we had an emergency fund, all of a sudden our car or something go out, the, the pressure was taken away because we said, you know what, this is an emergency. We have the money. Let's get it fixed. And then you replenish the emergency fund. That's one of the, the places he starts. But what he's teaching is creating margin. This principle works with time management. It works in your relationship. Uh, when you spend time with, with, with somebody, you're, you, you have developed relationship, you create margin. That way when there's, when there's a time that's difficult, you have, you have relationship that you've earned. Uh, if, if, you get, if you go places and you're late all the time, you have no margin in your life. That means you're flying down the road. You're a danger to society, right? Please stop because you know, I'm on a bicycle sometimes by you and you're not paying attention. Um, if you're in a rush everywhere, you have no margin, you feel the pressure, and every little person that gets in front of you is the worst person in the world, right? Because they're trying to stop you from getting to that place on time. They know you're in the rush, and we get in front of you just to push our brakes. Like, get out of my way! Well, you have no margin. So how do you fix that? You create margin. Once you leave 15 minutes before you're supposed to leave, you know, Surios Road, it takes, what, 20 minutes now to get, to get down, 25 minutes? So leave with 30 minutes, and so you get down there, you're like, I'm early. Man, I'm 10 minutes early. I could take a nap. You have a power nap, right? Or maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. So, um, yeah, you create, you create margins. This principle is not just finances. It's time. It's relationships. Learn to have margin in your life. Uh, the Bible teaches us a Sabbath. So you work six days. You take one day. God is trying to teach us margin in that, in that, in that practice. He gives us all these examples of how to create margin. But get out of debt and learn to begin to build and save for the future. That's creating margin. So start with God and margin. Because uh, here's, here's what happens. You need to stop borrowing from the future because you're only making yourself weak and poor when you borrow from the future. Every time you buy something you can't afford now, all right, you're actually saying, well, I'm just going to borrow from my future you know, income and I'm going to put it now so I can have this nice, cool thing now. Well, the only problem with that is when you get here, now you have a chunk of your future taken away, and you just had it back here to enjoy now. But when you get over here, it actually costs a lot more. So then you lost that money that you borrowed, and then you lost the money of the interest you borrowed. Does that make sense? So every time we do that, we're reaching into our future, and we're borrowing. This is the predicament we have as, as Americans, all right? For too long, we've been reaching into the future and saying, well, we'll borrow. We'll pay it back one day. Well, guess who's going to pay that back? Our kids. And, and if we don't figure it out, they're going to have a, a huge weight on their shoulder and they'll be enslaved by the debt that our nation has. And we have to fix that. So it will be uncomfortable for a while to fix that. Whenever you have to get out of debt, it's always uncomfortable. It means you have to say no to something you really want so you can pay off debt. It means you have to live on less for a while until you can get out of debt. And one day as a nation, we'll have to face that. It, it's a reality that's going to come eventually. So why don't we lead the way as Christians and saying, hey, let's create margin. So when, when the economy does get challenging, we're not freaking out, but we're saying, God, I put you first. I trust you. God, I've created some space, and I'm not, I'm not so worried, right? I, I've been stopped borrowing from the future. 
Because when we borrow, we reach in our future so we can have more now. So stop, don't steal from your future to have now. And this takes a new way of thinking about, about the way we see life, the way God sees it. Um, I, think, I think one of the things that will help you with this step is be honest. Like what are the, what's the area, and this is with money, this is just in life in general. What areas in your life, if somebody else knew about it, you'd be embarrassed about? Like, man, I really hope they don't find out about that. That's probably an area you need to fix because it's an area that's not healthy. When it comes to finances, if, if we were to bring you up and say, hey, show us your checkbook, show us your bank account, and you open it up, what areas would you be embarrassed about? Like, oh, I bought a lot of clothes that week. Uh, I used all my money for food and clothes. Man, or whatever it is, what area would you be embarrassed? That's probably an indicator that you need to fix that. That's, that's out of balance, out of control. How can, I, how can I fix that? Stop reaching into your future so you can have now. Money, how we manage money is a great indicator of our heart. And the next thing is this, be generous. So start with God, create margin, be generous. The Bible, he, the, the, God is a generous God. He, and he tells Abraham in the beginning, one of the first stories where he's looking for somebody to follow him and to lead him, lead, lead somebody. He says, he says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can bless the world. Like, I'm going to bless you so you can bless others. This is God's heart. He wants to bless us, not just so we can keep it, right? My precious. But so we can say, God has blessed me. Now I want to give and then bless others. That's God's heart. And when we're faithful with the little he gives us, instead of holding this and not being faithful, but we, we say, God, you've entrusted me. I'm going to be generous. God says, I can trust you with more. This is how the kingdom of God works. If you want to be rich, you give. You learn to give. And it always works. His, his principles work all the time. You put him first. That first part redeems the other part. That first 10 redeems the 90% like we talked about last week. He protects it. He covers it. So be generous. And here's the reason why giving away is so important. Because giving breaks the power of materialism in our life. In fact, giving, being generous, is the antidote to materialism. And one of the things that drives our, our consumer debt is materialism. We want to have more. We want to have it now. So giving that away breaks that power in our life. Like it's not just all about me, but I'm learning to give. I'm learning to share. I'm looking for how to help others. And when you, when you want to be generous, here's a couple of things you look for. And, and please hear me. I'm not saying give to the church. That's not the point of this. The point is learning to break that in your life. Look for, look for ways that, for things God is going to bless. For example, the Bible says when you give to the poor, God sees that and he'll bless you for that. If you want to know what God is going to really bless and what's key to his heart, like what his heartbeat is, it's, it's, it's the lost people that are far from him. Like he's looking for people to say, I want to reach lost people. If you will help me, then I will, I will, I will provide. I'll, take, I'll help you do this. And we invest in those things. It's a multiplication effect where we help tons of people. The other thing that God's heartbeat is his church, the local church. In fact, the Bible calls the local church his bride. And I don't know about you, but God has a bride, and he's going to be really passionate about his bride. He's going to want the bride to be taken care of. So when you, when you give to the lost, when you give to the poor, when you give to his church, it's God's heart saying, yes, you're faithful with a little bit. I'm going to give you more. And when we do it God's way, he blesses, not just so we can have, but so that we can bless even more. So give to things that God is blessing. Give where your money will have the greatest impact. Give where your time will have the greatest impact. It might be investing in one person for, for a few years to where they can break a, a, a cycle of poverty in their lives. There's organizations that do this all around the world that you can give to. You invest for a time to get them schooling so they can get out of, out of poverty. Maybe somebody in our, in our community, there's a young, young person that doesn't have a father or, or uh, some, a family member that they're, they're stuck in school. If you invested in that person, 
and that would bring back a great return. So giving is antidote. And the, the fourth thing, and this is key. I think this is the key to the whole thing. Um, this is so, so important. I think this is where people miss it on most things when it comes to life, is learn to be consistently good. Consistency. Be consistent. You can be consistently bad, and you'll keep getting the same results that you've always had. Now, if you keep doing the same things you've been doing that get you stuck, doing those same things is not going to get you out. If you keep borrowing money to get out of debt, obviously you're, you're not getting out of debt. You're going to keep getting more and more. So you have to change that. Be consistent and good. Uh, the key is to, to consistency. Um, in, in, in our lives, this is sincerity to my, myself, we want to be consistent. In fact, when, when it comes to parenting, this is probably one of the most important things with our kids if we can be consistent with them over and over and over, it has a, there's a lot of peace in the house because they know where the boundaries are. They've established them. Our little girl's going to be two. You know, a lot of people say terrible twos. We've changed that. It's not terrible. It's just the testing twos. She's not terrible in this stage. She's not terrible. It's actually a really cool stage. But people, they get stuck because the reason it's terrible is because they really don't want to keep setting the boundaries. They get tired of setting the boundaries. And they say, this is horrible. It's terrible. No, it's testing. They want to know where the boundaries are. They want, they want to know, can I go this far? Can I go this far? And they'll test it 100 times, and you get tired. But it's a great stage. So it's, it's being consistent. No, that's no. That's no. That's no. Yeah, that's yes. That's no. That's no. And eventually, they realize that's a boundary. I think I'm going to stop going there. And, and they learn it. Consistency. Being consistent. It, it, when it comes to, to uh, eating, consistently eating healthy is, is one of the most important things you can do. In your relationship with your with, with you know your spouse, man, being consistent in, in, in t- spending time together with your kids, spending time with God, being consistent, coming to church. The more consistent you are, the the more impact you'll see that that um, our church will have on you, and even even God will have on you, because consistency is so so important. It's 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 really about thinking about the long view. It's it's the finish line. You know, life is always um, thinking about where are my choice is leading. Like the things that I'm doing right now, where are they leading to? If I keep borrowing for my future, what is my future going to look like? An empty bank account, all right? If I keep uh, borrowing from whatever, what is it going to look like? If I keep going this direction, where's my life going to go? Be consistent in those things where you're, you're making yourself richer in the future, richer in relationships, richer in health and your body. Those are good things to invest in to keep moving forward so you're healthy. So start with God, create margin, be generous, and then be consistent in those things. When you're not consistent, it's a roller coaster. And you know what else is a roller coaster? Your emotions, your relationships, your finances will be like that. But when, you're, when you learn to be consistent, you'll begin to see it's like this. I mean, you just, well, it's still like this, but you get the picture. You, you move forward. So be consistent. Start with God, create margin, be generous, and be consistent. That's the key. So here's our challenge for this week, all right? Change... One thing today about how you relate to money. Because when you, when you learn to change that, you'll begin to notice other areas of your life will begin to change. Because when the power of money is broken in your life, you begin to realize, oh, wow, there's people around me that need time. Wow, I haven't, I haven't spent time with that person in a long time. You begin to see, like, this is not the most important thing. There's relationships. There's, there's opportunities. There's the future. This is why it's so key, I think, to God's heart to get this right. Because when we get this right, all these other things open up to us, and it helps us in the bigger picture. So change one thing about how you relate to money. This could be as simple as finding a need. Somebody has a need. They need some groceries. Man, buy them some groceries. Take it over and say, hey, I thought about you today. Here's some groceries. 
you see somebody that's in need, you, you, you look for opportunities to provide something for them. Maybe this one thing would be putting God at the test that we talked about last week. Say, God, you've asked me to do this. I'm going to trust you that this week you're going to cover the rest of my week. You're going to cover the rest of my finances. Or maybe it's choosing. This is important. Maybe it's choosing not to purchase something that you really don't need or you can't afford. That would be a great thing, practice to be in the start doing. I really can't afford this. I should probably wait until I can. Change the way. One thing that I relate to money. And for some of you, as you begin to think through your, your, how you've handled money, how, how, you, how you've stewarded that, it might be overwhelming of thinking about, I need to change this and this and this. this. This week, just pray and ask God, what is one thing? Don't let the whole thing overwhelm you because sometimes you just don't do anything. But if you say, what is that one thing I can do this week? What is that one thing I can do today that would help me? And then do that thing. Just do that one thing. So that's my challenge today. We're going we're gonna to close service off by, by I'm going to show you one more scripture when it comes to finances. And I love this, that God uses this scripture to tie back to, to a principle that he wants to help us to know that there's something bigger than just finances. Now, if, you're, if you're maybe new to church and you came and, and hopefully you didn't come and, and your, your heart, your, your, your thought of church is they, all they want is my money. Because today if you came, you're probably thinking, see, he's talking about money. All they want is my money. That's not our heart. All right? We want you to be blessed. Uh, in fact, if you never give our church, we're okay with that. Like, you keep coming. We want, we, want you to, um, we want you to be blessed in life. We want to be healthy. We want something for you, not something from you. We mean that. But if you're here today, maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're, you're, you're seeking and, and you're in a, in, in a place where you're like, what does this all mean? I'm going to show you one more scripture, and it's found in Hebrews. I talked about Abraham. And God said, I want to bless you, Abraham, so you can be a blessing to others. Um, he kind of started the journey with Abraham like that. Like, I want to do good in your life so you can do good for others. Uh, and this is God's, always God's call. Well, in Hebrews 7, 1, 1 and 2, it says that uh, this Melchizedek was king of Salem, priest of God's most high. He met Abraham returning from defeat of kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So Abraham was, he was faithful in putting God first. This Melchizedek that they're talking about is a, is a type of Christ. Like, they, you know, theologians believe this was actually Jesus who showed up and had a relationship with Abraham and said, hey, Abraham, I'm here to bless you. And Abraham said, I'm going to put you first and gave a portion of all of his earnings, all of his wealth, and God blessed him. Here's the cool thing about, um, about this story is, is the next verse. It says, first, the name of Kilzedek, which is Jesus, right, means king of righteousness. And then it also, he was the king of Salem, which means king of peace. So he's the king of righteousness and he's the king of peace. And this is, if, if you're new to church, if, if, or maybe you're far from God, this is why I'm so glad you're here today because um, these two things is what God wants in your life today. All right? If you came today looking for answers, you can kind of push all the other stuff I just talked about. And right now, just this is the one thing that I want you to hear. God wants to be your king of righteousness, and he wants to be your king of peace. In fact, the the prophet Isaiah said Jesus is going to have a couple of names. All right? One of them is going to be Prince of Peace. Like he's going to be the ruler of contentment. He's going to be the one that gives you wholeness, that gives you, gives you satisfaction in life, gives you fullness and fulfillment. He's the king of peace. And he's the king of righteousness. The reason God sent Jesus is because our relationship with God was broken. And our relationship with others is broken because of selfishness, because of greed, because of all the different things that we put in, in, and we hold on to so tightly. 
in the Bible, God said, Adam and Eve, you could pick through all, these, all, the, all the fruit you want in the garden, just don't touch that one. And when they disobeyed God and they sinned, they broke that relationship with God. We, you and I have done this. The Bible says there's not one single person that's righteous, that we have all sinned. We've all broken our relationship with God. Another way to say this is we don't have right standing with God. And the reason Jesus came is so he, could stay, he could die in our place and he could pay the debt we have so that we can have right standing with God. And when we make that decision to have right standing with God, there's, one of the results is we have peace with God. You know this in relationships. When, you don't, when you're not right with God, you avoid things that are anything to do with God, like prayer, reading your Bible, other people. When there's things aren't right between you and somebody else, you avoid them. You just you sense and you know when things aren't right. And today there's people in this room that know things aren't right. And the first step, God says, let's make this right. Let's make this right. The Bible says if you will confess your sins and ask God for forgiveness, he responds and he forgives you and he gives you a new start. It's like he cleans the whole slate. He erases that whole chalkboard of all the mistakes you've made and says, all right, let's start new. That's pretty cool. And today he says, have a new start. So the first thing he said, let's make things right. He's looking for people that are righteous, that have right standing with God. Not because of what we've done, but because Jesus done that cross. And then he says, I want you out of this. You're going you're gonna to experience peace. You're going to be okay. You're not going to freak out over a little thing. Because when you practice those principles, God says it always leads to peace. So if you're here today, I know you are. Um, God is a giver. He's a generous God. He says it like this in John 3.16. It says, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is how God loves us. We know it. They loved us so much he gave his best. He gave his Son to die on that cross for you and me. That, that whoever believes and, and says, I believe on him to pay my debt. See, hell? Hell's a real place, all right? But, but hell's not a place God sends people to. Hell is for people who say, I'm going to do it my own way and not God's way. I'm going to pay my own tab. I'm going to take care of my own bill. You guys, all right? you, it's your choice. Where God says, I've sent you a payment. I've sent you a way to have your, 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 your debt paid for you. Your slate washed clean. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads today? If you're here today and you don't have right standing with God, my first invitation for you is let's make things right. If you're here today and you don't have right standing with other people, my challenge is make things right this week. But let's start with the first one. You know things aren't right between you and God because you've walked away from Him, you've done your own thing. You've held on to life tight-fisted. And today he says, would you return to me? Would you come back to me? Would you acknowledge that you need my help? Would you acknowledge that you messed up? And when we humble ourselves, God embraces us and meets us there. So if you're here today and you would say, I, I need to pray. I need, I need to make things right with God. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. I'll lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. If that's you, you know you're here today. Would you lift your hand right now? Come on. You're here. Awesome. Awesome. I love this part of our service. 
Because for too long you've carried that stuff you've been carrying. And you don't have peace. You don't have joy. Life is just not enjoyable. And today God says, I want to make it, I want to make it right between you and me and between you and others. So for you that raised your hand, would you repeat this prayer with me? It's a simple prayer of invitation saying, God, I need your help. God, I confess that I can't do it on my own. For the rest of us in this room, that you're a Christian, would you join us in this prayer? That no one's praying alone. Let's pray together. So if you raise your hand, pray this. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that things are broken and things aren't right. And it's my fault. Would you forgive me of my sin? Forgive me of my wrongdoing. And help me to live a life that you can bless. I acknowledge that you sent your son to die in my place. And I believe he's alive today. And I need your help. Come and be my boss. Come and be my God. Lead me and guide me. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.